Welcome, I'm Stuart Coleman, Business and Learning Development Director at the Open Data Institute, and I'm delighted to have you join us for this ODI Inside Business podcast. So today we're going to be asking uh, an important question and a relevant question to the panelists we have joining us. Uh, why is data literacy needed in the boardroom? Uh, delighted to be joined by highly esteemed panelists to tackle this question. Uh, I'd like to start by introducing quickly each panelist uh, and where they come from with a bit of their background, and then I'm going to open up for questions. Um, first of all, d delighted to welcome Regis Professor Dame Wendy Hall. Uh, Wendy is an executive director of the Web Science Institute at the University of Southampton and was appointed co-chair of the UK government's Artificial Intelligence Review in October 2017. She's the UK's government's first skills champion for AI and is a member of the newly formed AI Council. In May 2020, Wendy was appointed chair of the Ada Lovelace Institute, which is, for those who don't know, the, the UK's leading research institute looking at ensuring data and AI work for people and society. Wendy co-founded the Southampton Data and Science Academy to help accelerate AI and data literacy in businesses and is a force for good driving positive change in the world of data and the web. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Great to have you here today. Thanks, Stuart. Next, and joining us from Sub-Saharan Africa, I am delighted to be welcoming Abubakar Suleiman, fondly, fondly known as Abu. Um, Abu is the chief executive officer of one of the largest banks in Nigeria, Sterling Bank PLC, and, and where his work and his top priority is to optimize the impact of financial intermediation in, in critical sectors in Nigeria um, with a view to unlocking the massive potential growth of, of his country uh, and creating a shared prosperity for all Nigerians. Prior to being CEO of the bank, Abu is really well placed to join us today's discussion because he was the chief financial officer of the bank. Uh, Abu holds a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Abuja and a Master's of Science in Major Programme Management from the University of Oxford. Great to have you joining us, Abu, today. Thanks for making time. Thank you for having me. And thirdly, I've got uh, uh, with me Helen Crooks. Helen is a highly experienced Chief Data Officer, having worked across many industries um, and most recently serving as Chief Data Officer at Lloyds of London. Uh, Helen joins us as an ambassador for AI and the data economy at Innovate UK. And actually, I think it's today I might be right in saying, Helen, that you've uh, just been announced to as Chief Data Officer of Ofgem. Is that correct? That is correct. And good afternoon, everybody. First day today on the job for Ofgem. So uh, this is very relevant. Great to have you with us, Helen. And, um, and last, but by no means least, representing the voice of financial officers, Christopher Argent is founder and managing director of Generation CFO, which he launched in 2009 um, as a digital community for finance leaders. Uh, today, I think Generation CFO is reaching circa 100,000 finance professionals worldwide. Chris himself has worked as a CFO and finance tra transformation professional with a particular focus on applying digital and data technologies to transform finance. So he's really seen firsthand the potential for, for data and digital 
capabilities in this industry. Look, delighted to have people from the executive tier today. And I'd like to start with a question to to Wendy. Why does this matter? Why does data literacy in the boardroom matter? Well, I think uh, anyone who has not realised what's um, been going on in the last year in terms of use of data to help us get out of pandemic has um, been in a different world to the rest of us. And it's brought to the fore all the issues that companies now have to deal with in terms of uh, analysing the data that's their data, analysing other people's data, and understanding how that affects their business, how it's going to affect their business in the future, um, and generally um, being much more tech savvy uh, and data savvy. And I would add AI savvy because one of the reasons we are analysing data is so that we can apply, uh, we're collecting data and we're using AI algorithms to analyse it and potentially in some businesses make decisions uh, based on the use of AI, not necessarily decisions about the business itself at the moment, although that might come, but make decisions that, that as part of running the business using AI. Um, AI at the moment means machine learning, which is a neural networks, which is all about training algorithms on data to learn how to make those decisions. And any, I think a board that doesn't have somebody on the board, or, or, or I think everybody on a board should really be aware of these issues. And we need more and more discussion at board meetings about where the data and the AI that that, that business uh, is dealing with is taking them. So you need everybody to have that tech savviness but also you need uh, the experts on the board, I think, not just reporting into the board. Thanks, thanks, Wendy. That's really, really helpful context. Uh, Abu, you're, you're CEO of a, a major board, of a, of a large company. Does your board have this knowledge? Um, I think when it comes to data, we need to accept that it's no longer the language of the future. Uh, it's the language of now. And any conversation you are having in the boardroom that does not use data extensively would eventually lead you to visioning in the dark. And when you craft a vision in the dark uh, without really understanding what the future looks like, uh, you'll end up crafting a vision that will not survive. Uh, the risk with that is you also end up measuring things that are not valuable uh, and the alignment that you need between the board and management and between management and the rest of the organization would be lacking, even though you might have an illusion of um, alignment. Uh, so yes, no board can really operate today without a, an understanding of data and the role that it plays. And in a sense, um, the more you understand data, the better position you are to craft a vision for the company and to execute it. Uh, so to sum it up, there is some understanding of data uh, in the boardroom. What I would like to see more is for that understanding to become more common uh, and for everyone in the boardroom to truly operate from data rather than um, the way we've operated before, which is um, leveraging on historical knowledge. Thank, thanks, Abu. That's, that's, I think that's helpful context to see. I'd like to turn to, to Helen Crooks. Helen, you, you, you've spent significant years engaging with boards. I mean, the role of the chief data officer is is still emerging, but 
tell us tell us your experience of this. What do boards know of data? How do they how do they engage with data? Are they are they data literate enough? It's been sort of unfortunate, I think, that boards have not really been presented um, very often with some of the um, opportunities that you can get by having a better understanding at board with data. Um, a lot of the boards don't have a perspective which is very rounded. It tends to be very narrow-minded. So, for example, you might get one that's very focused on the, um, the challenges with cyber and cyber security, or you might get one that's um, interested in how you can drive customer loyalty, but it tends to be very siloed. Um, and a lot of the benefits that you get or can get by having broader board experience, um, as Abby has just said, is around the way in which you could drive your business strategy as a whole, um, look at growth, look at risks, understand what's actually happening. Um, and if you applied in the right way, it can be very interesting, exciting, fulfilling for many people that are actually working in your company. So for me, it's that trying to pigeonhole data into a technical discipline as to as opposed to considering it in its broadest sense as a business discipline and having that reflected at board. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. So some of the words you mentioned, growth, risk, um, governance. I mean, Chris, this is bread and butter for surely for finance professionals. What 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 role the finance professionals need to play in this? So I I may bring in a bit of a reality check on this, <laughs> and I don't apologise for that. Um, I, personally, I I do not see a, a good level of data literacy at board level, and I think you know we we have to be open and honest about the sort of the, the talent that we have within an organisation um, that's coming through and also the the understanding at board level of that talent. And the, you know, the talent that, that we see coming through are data literate, they're tech savvy, they're, they're AI savvy, I think, as Wendy said. And, you know, it's second nature to these people. So there's a friction that's happening. And to say that the board is is data literate um you know they may understand data within their business to a certain extent when it comes to performance management and strategy but that only goes so far does that go to you know wide sources of data external data data that you know will be valuable to us in an ai environment i don't think so you know when it comes to technology i think there is a there is a, a maybe around that. There's a maybe understanding with the technology that's being used in the business and, and available in the business. Um, but and I think when it comes to AI and an understanding of machine learning, which effectively is is business AI, um, th there isn't an understanding of the opportunity. And and I think there's a massive gap. Um, you know, we have strategic committees and audit committees and, and risk committees, as we said, looking at maybe cyber security or information security, but, you know, what about skills and upskilling and talent and the, the intangible benefit of, of data? Um, I don't see that being addressed uh, in, in any major way uh, at a board level. 
Well, that's a pretty, um, a pretty kind of almost like a damning statement indictment. Abu, I mean, how can we change this? I mean, you, you're a, if you don't mind me saying, relatively young CEO in a nation which has huge economic potential and opportunity. Chris talked about this being an, almost like an intangible asset. There's a human element to this. It's not just the machines and, and what can be done to bridge the divide between the, the future workers and the board. Um, it, it is a damning uh, conclusion, but it's also accurate. The way I like to look at the board and their role when it comes to data is to first understand their role for the purpose of governance and then understand the, the deeper understanding that is required for them to contribute to building the company. I think the first role is to understand that we need to equip them to, to even on, to build the right vision for the company. That may not require the level of um, data literacy that uh, Chris is speak, uh, talking about. Um, it just requires that they are actually able to understand what is presented for a start. Now, going forward and tr to truly build a company that will survive, not just one that is competitive, but one that will even survive, it, we need to have a deeper level of data literacy in the, in the board. Uh, and I don't think, at least my experience in Sub-Saharan Africa, that some of this can be thought. I think the faster way to get this into the boardroom is to actually bring people who already have this into the boardroom. Now, bringing one or two people into the boardroom with data literacy and with deeper understanding of data is a useful start, but the end game has to be that everyone in the boardroom can truly understand this conversation and contribute to it and effectively carry out their, their role as um, in providing governance to, to the organization. Uh, I'm less worried about the rest of the organization. I think a lot of them have grown up in an uh, environment that is data rich and they are evolving. Um, their interaction with data is evolving much faster than, than it did for the current uh, board. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Abu. I mean, that's, so, so, so it is happening, it needs to happen quicker. The level of skills and data literacy, Wendy, you, you've, you've sat on boards, you advise governments. What's your perspective on how this can be accelerated? In a minute, um, I'd like to just take it a bit wider first, which is uh, certainly my opening remarks. And up until now, we've been really thinking of it in terms of the way we've been seeing it all evolve, evolve over COVID, you know, the analysis of data to help you understand what the challenges and issues are and how you make a decision going forward. But actually, I believe it's going to get more um, onerous on boards than that. I think that as we move forward and increasingly everyone uses AI, um, there will be regulations coming from governments around the world and each country will play it a bit differently. But generally, there will be regulations about the um, how you account for the decisions being made by your AI algorithms, the uh, fairness, the transparency, the accountability of those algorithms. Are they, are they coming up with the right results for the right people? or the wrong people sometimes, and also the data that is being used to train those algorithms. How can you show it's not biased and that the results the AI algorithms are producing are fair to the people they're aimed at? And uh, you can trust that people uh, can trust what your company is doing. And I liken this to the way over the last few centuries, or certainly the last century, 
uh, we've we've done this in the financial world. We have financial regulations that every company has to adhere to. We have to report our accounts and show that we're not being dishonest or pulling the wool over people's eyes or doing anything corruptly according to the law of the land. And that sort of um, regulation will evolve for the AI, the world of data and AI. So it will be far more than just people being tech savvy, data savvy, having awareness. Um, we'll need, um, just like you have a financial director on a board today, you absolutely have to have in order to comply with those regulations. In the very near future, I think we will move to a role where we will have to have a, I don't know whether what's what the role will be called, but an AI data person, actual officer on the board who manages, and it will be partly a legal role, it will be compliance uh, with government regulations, as well as um, having to have an understanding of the technology um, as finance directors do, they have to have understanding of the technology that you that today is used to drive the um, accounts of a company. And, and this will be true of the data world. And I think this will be an, an officer that will have to be on the board. Um, and the board, boards have got to understand how this is going to evolve. And I think it will now happen quite fast. It isn't, we aren't there yet. We don't know. I mean, the EU are about to produce regulations for AI. I think um, the UK will... I'll use the word follow. They won't necessarily have to do what the EU does now, but I think we will. We will. We are very much leaders in this world in the UK, and I see it happening all around the world. And so, why I think that uh, what um, to prepare for this, I think boards need to think about their executive education programs. They need to think about all board members actually getting an understanding of what is AI, uh, what is data. Getting now on in terms of um, understanding of those literacy points so that just like they, everyone has to understand on a board what a spreadsheet is or, you know, what the rules and regs are. I think that's where we should be looking for the future. So, so thank you for taking it more widely. I think we, 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 we're so that the advent of regulation and accountability at board level for data and AI Helen, you've been a chief data officer in many different sectors, some of them highly regulated, some of them less regulated. Where do you, how do you see that path unfolding in practice? In practice, and I say that's, that's the biggest question. Um, I agree with a lot of what the panellists are saying about the fact that in some respects, the data discipline hasn't really helped itself a lot because it's been very unregulated. There's no standard institute, there's no charter... Um, it can, you know, some people see it a bit as being a little bit like the Wild West where everything goes. Um, that's not actually true if you've got good data practice going on within your business. But the impact of that at board level is that it's not being either understood at a board level discipline or understood as something which needs that level of oversight. Um, I look forward to the day when it is a regulated um, statement around looking after data and especially how you use that data, whether it's AI or other decisioning that some people would argue is, you know, not artificial um, intelligence, because that in itself will mean that a board will have to consider what the implications are of what they're doing in the data um, and AI space. 
So, yes, it's not something that you could turn around at the moment and go, every board that I've interacted with has understood it. They haven't. They've quite often pushed back. You have to negotiate, cajole, explain, articulate. And some of it is just basic common sense. And some lot of it is basic awareness of what you're using, your, you know, how you operate in day-to-day life applied to a business, um, business context. But people seem to want to wrap it up in jargon and acronyms and lingo. And, and I believe that a board should be dispelling with all of that and understanding what it really means by getting a, a, a human grip on what the new opportunities are, but how it applies to a board. So it's the same as if you were, you know, coming from a financial or legal perspective. But, you know, boards, the days of a board not having a level of understanding themselves and the opportunity or risk or impact of data and then have not having somebody accountable for it at a senior level, at a high, higher level, rather than it being hidden under a different discipline, Hopefully that's coming to an end. I'd actually, can I just, I'm allowed to interrupt. I would totally agree. And I love, um, I think demystifying this is really important. Um, All of us like to um, talk. Well, when you know your subject, you tend to talk about it in ways that others can't understand. And I think this is, it's really important that um, board members don't, uh, I think where Helen's used the term demystify, that, that, that they can get grips of it in ways that they can understand it. Yeah, so I mean, I think the, just as the lexicon language of finance has, has matured and kind of normalised, if you like, over, over a long period of time, um, how can that be accelerated more quickly so that humans can operate efficiently and in a consistent way in the loop? to support the use of data and AI. I mean, Chris, you're, you're talking to finance professionals all the time. Finance people understand common terminology, uh, but you're working with them in the area of, you know, exciting new tech. But h- how do you kind of simplify this? How do you bring it down? What's the language you use? Well, it, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's using plain English um, and it's, it's, as you say, demystifying it. You know, there, there aren't any standard definitions in this area. You know, there isn't a, a sort of governing body, if you like, but there is a, a, a general language that we can follow, you know, talking about machine learning rather than AI or, or you know, being clear whether we're talking about software automation or, or physical robots. You know, there's a hell of a lot of confusion out there, but there, there is a sort of common language that's forming and, and we, we talk to that and... Um, we encourage people to to sort of learn that um, because, you know, let's be clear, a lot of people, and I'd say the huge majority, are at step one on this. Um, and, I, and I think one of the one of the biggest sort of failings in a way of, of the data community is, is not being able to present this in business terms. Um, I think a lot of people still see this as a highly technical, you know, technology, IT-led um, initiative, but actually it's not. You know, it is, a, it is a business proposition to get your data managed, well-governed, you know, means business value, means that, you know, creating an intangible asset, having the right infrastructure around that. 
um, supporting end-to-end -end process, not just the IT process side of things. And, you know, having the right talent in there, these, these not unicorns who kind of have everything that you need to become a business-focused data scientist, but just these, these really talented people who know enough to collaborate, you know, to come together in a multidisciplinary team. All of that, all of that needs governing, which is creating a huge asset for a business, and and it, and that's that's the biggest failing, I'd say. It needs to be a business first problem. I'd like to pick up on a couple of things you said there and and take them to to Abu. So you talked about building an intangible asset. Abu, you were formerly a chief financial officer at the bank, understanding assets, liabilities, and and, and financial instruments that that help the bank grow and and and. Consider its position. How could how can data capability become an intangible asset for for the leadership of, of large organisations? I would say that uh, as much as creating intangible asset out of data, it's the way the future looks to all of us. I'm actually equally worried about the intangible liabilities that uh, will emerge from data. I think when you look at data, there are three perspectives that are important to me. The first one is the compliance perspective, which is what is it that we're doing with data today that could be a source of liability for the company uh, and could be significant risk that is not being correctly measured. Um, in terms of data as an asset, I think uh, from the strategy of the company to the business plans, we need to think of data uh, think of not just data in the business, but data as the business. Uh, and we are far from this. Certainly in Sub-Saharan Africa and in Nigeria, we are far from this, but it's becoming obvious. What is happening is that uh, it's beginning to show up in company valuation in some form. And that is really the best way to speak to the board. Once they can see the economic value of data, it's now easy to go back internally and start to identify the source of this value and how to develop and protect them. Uh, so I would say that give it another a couple of years, we should be able to see data accurately represented on the balance sheet of financial institutions and subsequently other corporates. Um, but the last comment on me for data is uh, the board struggles to uh, find the right talent and the, because they have not yet found the right way to reward data, especially when this data has values that are in the future. In other words, the monetization process has not yet started. And if you don't find that alignment between talent uh, and the data asset that you're creating, then the tendency is that you undercompensate valuable talent and you will lose them. So yes, um, from a CFO perspective, I think we should be focused on not just data assets, but also the liabilities that occur with data, especially as regulations uh, are brought to bear. Thank you very much, Abu. That's a great insight into the way that CEOs and CFOs think. And I think it's a, a challenge to the data community to, to rise to, to ensure we can communicate in a way that makes sense for people on the board. Chris, you talked to me earlier about Arcadia, a business that didn't have data at the heart of what it's doing. Tell me a little bit more about that. So, so in terms of, you know, shifting to be more aware of data and, and that intangible asset, you know, pr uh, pretty little thing, for instance, has got something like 18 million likes on TikTok. The data that you can get from that, you know, is significant. 
uh, Arcadia, Topshop don't even have a presence on TikTok. And I, and I remember talking to, you know, the, the, the management team there sort of five, six years ago, which and there was very little appetite for for that data that data journey so it's i think you know if you start now you know you can build this out over years but you but you do have to start and doing nothing can can be a problem so i think that's an interesting point to build on so abu in the uk today arcadia is one of our largest retail um Retail group companies, massive uh, companies, gone been announced to go into administration, uh, and I think um, what Chris is saying is that 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 company hasn't really taken its kind of journey towards being data capable seriously enough. Um, so, so, so your your point really there, Chris, is around the financial liability of not getting it right. What comes down the line if you don't invest in it? Is that kind of what you're saying? It's it's being data savvy is data literate you know why why there's clearly a different strategy being taken between someone like pretty little thing and and top shop and yeah. one has gone tiktok <laughs> millions of followers therefore millions of data points that can be used for reporting planning performance management the, the other one has nothing you know in that space yeah um, okay you know. so so i just I, I actually want to jump back to Talent. So Abu talked about finding, retaining, and and I'd like to progress this, developing talent. So in the absence of formal professional skills or accreditation for data leaders at board level, how do corporate organizations, organizations with significant governance and fiduciary responsibilities develop and grow that talent? Wendy, you've, you've worked a lot looking at... Uh, skills and, and data and AI for, for certainly for the UK. How do we go about this? Well, of course, I would say come and take one of our courses, <laughs> um, <laughs> either at the ODI or we run the Southampton Data Science Academy and we have courses, uh, introduction to data science, introduction to AI. Um, that's easy to say. It's very hard to get busy execs. Uh, non-execs to do that and they'd have to be customer people would have to customize that training for their particular circumstance and every board I'm on is different um, and I hate the boards that come keep sending me emails say you've got to you've got to do this you've got to do that um, because you're on the board you've got to do this training you've got to, so I think it, these things have to be highly customized to meet the needs of the individuals otherwise you just you just put them off it's a bit like uh, well at the moment it's a bit like diversity training because Everybody knows you need it, but it's not like you're not. You're mostly not breaking the law if you don't do it. But I think going forward, as the regulation comes in, then people will have to have undergo this sort of training, or at least some of the board will. And um, I think preempt. I mean, it's just common sense now. I think when you, as we come out of COVID, that a board that doesn't do this. Um, you, you've just been discussing what's happening to Arcadia. A board that doesn't use data and AI to go forward is going to be the sort of board that won't exist in a few years' time. So it's just common sense, really, that they've got to start building in these trading programmes for themselves. Uh, Abu, do you think, if you if you consider your board, and we're trying not, not to put you too much on the spot here, but do you think there's a level of fear or or kind of... Uh, do you think some board members might be daunted by some of these these areas of knowledge? Um, I am lucky to have someone on my board who 
is a statistician and has been exposed to data all of her career. She has a PhD in statistics, so she's quite comfortable with data. And her presence on the board has helped the other board members to accept the inevitability of um, a, a data culture in, on the board. So that has helped. That said, there are also people on the board who have come a long way without necessarily relying on a significant understanding of data and how that evolves. And it's been daunting for them. There's no doubt about that. What we are hoping for is that um, we are an institution in transition, and that is the opportunity that you cannot afford to miss. So as you begin to bring in new board members to uh, sort of uh, complement those you have, you must then be incredibly focused on getting these capabilities on the board. To my mind, by the time you have about a third of the board being genuinely data literate and having a deeper understanding of AI and machine learning, I think the rest of the board would very quickly catch up and you would have an effective board. That's really, really helpful. So I love that statement around an inevitability of data culture coming to the board. And I think it sounds like your your board member is a fantastic contributor in that in that sense. Um, we're moving towards a close on this discussion. I'd like to to bring back Helen for Helen Crooks for for a perspective on the journey that chief data officers have been on. Helen, you've been a chief data officer several times over in different organisations. You originally started your career hands on with data in a, a business called Dunhumby, which some people may or may not know as the business behind what was formatively Club Card, a, a kind of reward system in the UK. Data and and the kind of level of trust and acceptance from consumers over the years has changed and evolved. How has, in your view, um, a culture of data developed at the board level as someone that's kind of constantly communicated and been the voice of data on, on or reporting to boards? Um, because data is usable as a discipline in lots of different ways, you get lots of different types of chief data officer or data capability coming up through your organisation. So, yes, I may well have started in um, a technical discipline looking at um, IT systems and I designed all the systems that sat behind Tesco Club Card and a numerous other industry um, data-driven uh, business opportunities, um, which involve the use of lots of different types of data pieces, whether it's from data policy and building customer trust. So, you know, working with the EU to get the rules right for GDPR, whether we like them or not, um, working with how you talk to consumers all the way through creating the right data environment within your business managing that data correctly and then building some insights or actionable analytics off the back end of it. And now because of this and because every business has different needs, you effectively have got multi disciplines within the data discipline itself. And a board for me needs to establish quite quickly what type of data approach, what data strategy they need. It may well be that they are high-end complex analytics verging on machine learning, AI. It may be that they are actually, they just need some good data management practices so that they can regulate the data. It, it could be a raft of those. So trying to find the right individuals to 
help create that board level data strategy is imperative. Have, having that right conversation about where uh, data needs to support the business strategy and not become a thing in its own right is absolutely um, critical. Thank you for that. And thank you, everyone, for joining and contributing and participating in what I thought was a, an interesting and lively debate. Um, there is no doubt, in my mind, from this discussion that data culture is inevitable for boards, to, um, to steal Abu's statement earlier. Uh, it's coming. It's, it's here to stay. And the quicker that boards can get to grips, either by recruiting new board members who do have a level of data literacy or by making time to invest in the talent in their organizations to support them, um, the more they will be competitive and the more they will build a position of strength in their respective markets. I'd like to thank everyone today for their attendance and um, for their contribution. And thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Stuart, and good to meet everybody. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Yes, thank you, everybody. Great, great discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, very everyone. Thank Thanks. you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Just to remind everyone and shamelessly plug the Open Data Institute, we are here to assist organizations with data literacy. We offer a range of consultancy advice, courses and training, membership and networking, and many of the tools and services we offer are for free. Some of them we will charge you for, and we look forward to you reviewing some of those tools and services.